All right, a special live edition of the Hardwood Huddle on the air with Randy Zelia. With me, always, is my backcourt teammate. He is Lord Vader. He is the greater power. He is the supreme leader. His name is Bill Ingram. Bill, how are you, my friend? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. I, I think we don't have much time for a show now because the introduction was so long. Uh, <laughs> and joining us as well. Uh, formerly of 24-7 Sports and SI, uh, now with the Nets Insider. And bring a book on the history of the – now that's back from when they were in New Jersey. We have Rick Lachman with us. Rick, thanks for giving us a few minutes to talk about something that we didn't think was really going to happen. Well, I think we all knew Harden was going to get traded. But I don't think we thought it was going to be for a King's Ransom. <laughs> I, I, think what, I think what they did was they were playing flip cup. And they're like, I bet you, I bet you, if I flip this cup, you're going to give us this pick, this pick, this pick, and this pick. <laughs> I said, so I feel like I'm on an island, Randy. I mean, you know, and I think Bill, I talked a little bit about how I feel about this trade, and I feel optimistic. I know, given the situation with Kyrie Irving, you had the GM and Sean Marks. He already had an interview today in which he said the organization isn't happy with Kyrie Irving not being there. He understands with what's going on in the world, with the social injustices in our country, um, why he maybe is taking a step back. But it's come to a point now where are the Nets and Kyrie Irving at a point of no return. And from my side of things, I think that actually trading for James Harden is almost an insurance policy in case like the Stephen A. Smiths of the world speculate, maybe Kyrie Irving should retire. Maybe his, his heart isn't in the game of basketball anymore. Um, the question marks about how they're going to integrate James Harden to me, look, it, they're going to have to check their egos at the door. And that includes Kyrie Irving, assuming he's coming back um, as well as James Harden. But this, this narrative that Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and James Harden aren't going to be able to play together. Well, we know that James Harden was the sixth man of the year back in OKC when he played with uh, Kevin Durant. So he has that capability of maybe not being the guy that's in Houston, you know, usage rates through the roof. Um, I just think it's a matter of figuring out this dynamic, but all the net fans and really collectively NBA fans that think that the Nets basically just made the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett trade part two. Uh, I take exception to that. Cause I think it's a totally different circumstance. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I'm oh, sorry, Bill. I just had to just jump on one thing he said. You know, you mentioned about James Harden being the sixth man with with OKC. That was many moons and many dollars ago, and many sure. scoring titles ago. So that I think it's a different time and a different place. So I, I Bill, I'll let you jump in now. I, I think this is a totally different situation. And just from a sake of comedy, uh, James Harden said with this trade, uh, there at least has to be at least twelve Coney Island hot dogs in his locker at all times. So. Well, my my thing is this: if if Kyrie Irving returns and playing great basketball before whatever before he went Kawhi Leonard on you guys, uh, <laughs> John Marks vividly remembers that. Uh, and James Harden can drop the twenty to twenty five pounds he put on in strip club when he was supposed to be in training camp. And Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt. Kevin Durant looks every bit the MVP. Uh, I think. If it weren't for his fragile psyche, uh, I think KD's the poster child of the league instead of LeBron. I, I think he's just an absolutely phenomenal talent. I got to know him very well in OKC. In fact, sometimes we'd sit at, in New York at the draft, and my partner, Steve Kyler, and I would sit and talk to him about who they should draft, and then he would call Sam Presti 
And a lot of times they draft the people we told them <laughs> they should draft, which was kind of a trip. But just to say, I have a great deal of respect for KD. I, I love his game. Uh, and I think he can carry an awful lot into the finals. Uh, you know, can't what I, where I wonder when I've seen uh, the James Harden, first of all, James Harden, if you think there's going to be any defense played, this is the man who invented social distancing on the defensive end of the floor long before coronavirus was a thing. So, <laughs> you know, forget that. There's no defense. The only defense James is going to bring you is an incredible offense. If he can drop the 25 pounds. But what I wonder when you have these um, volatile and interesting personalities <laughs> uh, all in the, in the room together, granted, you have Steve Nash to try to figure it all out. But first year coach, granted, incredible floor leader as a player. I don't know. I think an awful lot of things have to go right for this team to be good, but they could be. What I look at if I'm Houston is, my God, we just got every draft pick, every – I mean, the Nets just gave up all their young prospects except for Spencer Dinwiddie, only because he's hurt. Otherwise, I think he'd be in Houston or Indiana or somewhere. Um, you gave up the entire future of the organization to put all your chips into this one basket, and I don't – it's not a secure basket. If I could just jump in, and Bill, you asked the question to me before the start of the show, who do I think the – impetus for this trade was? Was it Kevin Durant that was dictating to Sean Marks? Well, you know, clearly it was over a month ago before the start of the NBA season that Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden out in LA were already planning each other's future together and trying to plant the seeds, at least Harden and Houston. You saw, I mean, you would know better than anyone, Bill, that that post-game press conference the other night was basically, uh, I mean, that that was the end of the relationship between the Houston Rockets and James Harden. So um, the seeds have been planted a long time ago. Do I think that certainly Kevin Durant was in Sean Marks' ear, a team that, you know, before uh, the win the other night, you know, they're six and six, really middling. They have some young, promising players. Jared Allen, you know, these guys are still 25 years and younger and maybe a few couple seasons away from developing their, mar their borderline all-stars, but they're not there quite yet. And maybe Kevin Durant was a little anxious and maybe a little hasty and wanted to bring Harden in and, and trade some of these young pieces. And look, is it the perfect trade? I don't think so. I mean, you you potentially have four pick swaps. You have three that are, you know, you're trading out first round picks. And then also Milwaukee's throwing a Houston another pick. Um, I just think that net fans are so, they have almost PTSD from that Kevin, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Jason Terry debacle. And when people are comparing that head to head for me, those are guys that are completely different stages of their career. They had already won a championship with Boston uh, in the case of KG and Paul Pierce. And for me, this is this is James Harden's opportunity to change his legacy as a player. I mean, Kyrie Irving already, we know about the game seven uh, championship clinching three he hit. For the, for the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016. We know Kevin DeGrant, although he already he joined a 73-win team, uh, winning two, two titles with the Golden State Warriors. It's really, this now is upon James Harden to check his ego at the door and to say at this stage of his career, at 31 years of age, entering the prime and maybe towards the tail end of his prime when this career is done, when his, this contract's done, does he want to sacrifice some of, like you say, uh, Bill, his offensive game, his usage rate, and maybe play a lick of defense to help stop the opposition? Is he going to be able to do that? That, to me, is the question mark, because I have zero concerns about chemistry between Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. They've shown that 
in the limited time they've been on the court so far this year. It's more James Harden checking his ego and Kyrie Irving just getting on the same page with the organization and prioritizing basketball at this point in his life. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that that's where the question lies. And, and anyone who has the answer to that question tells you for sure they're lying because we don't. <laughs> right. And, and I want to throw one thing out there too and this is a point that i don't think a lot of people brought out i'm i'm joking around a lot about coney island hot dogs and the fact that james harden uh you know just hang out at strip clubs and not in game shape and everything else like that i bill and i will, bill will tell you i'm one of the first people to joke around about that but from from a, a, a basketball standpoint I, I look at it as what the nets are giving up i don't care about what you you're james harden you're getting a top three score in the nba you know what you're getting in him it's what you end up giving out and the simple fact of the matter was the Nets would give up for the second time. And my my first reaction when I heard the trade was was and I mentioned it, mentioned that the bill was I didn't know Billy King still worked for the Nets because that was my general consensus. I thought Billy King still worked for the Nets after seeing that deal. That was the worst trade. Like like I felt like it was Groundhog Day. I was waiting for Bill Murray to come out and tell me what the weather in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania was again because that's how bad this deal was, and it's the second time the Nets are mortgaging their future. The only only difference is you have Kendrick there, who's a top five player in the NBA when his head is on straight and when he's fully healthy. He's one of the top five best players in the NBA. Now this is up to Kevin Durant to reel in everybody. If he wants to prove that he's a real leader and not so that he was riding the coattails of Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry, this is the time where Kevin Durant has to rally the troops and say, hey, guys, listen. Don't listen to what everybody is saying out there. You have to. We have to just make this about us. Play together as a team. Everybody And guys like Joe Harris are going to have to step in. You know who I think they should go out and get, because Bill and I were talking about him the other day, get a veteran like a Jamal Crawford out there who still, even at his older age, can go out there and deliver some points and still show some leadership in the NBA because you know Jamal Crawford may not have an NBA championship, but he's been around the block and he can help some of these younger guys because I'm sorry, I don't see Kevin Durant being a runner showing guys stuff. I don't see Kyrie Irving, with the exception of telling guys that the world is flat, helping younger guys, telling them that, you know, showing them what to do. And the James Harden, I don't see that either. So getting a guy like a Jamal Crawford who has a resume in this league is might be a good thing. Getting a guy who has a resume in this league might be a good thing for this Nets team. If I could just weigh in quickly, I, I think the Nets need rebounding and defense. And with Spencer Dinwiddie, now he has a partially torn MCL. So there is an outside chance that he could be available for the playoffs. I don't think the Nets are counting on it. He already had a devastating knee injury in college at Colorado. This is the different knee, I, I understand. Um, but the Nets, as part of that, have applied for a disabled players exemption. So essentially, they can get up to half, uh, take on half of Dinwiddie's contract, $5.9 million, uh, potentially in a trade or signing a free agent. And one of the teams that I'm looking at is a team that was involved in this trade is the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, the Nets desperately need defense and rebounding. And DeAndre Jordan, look, he was part, he was a basically a throw-in in that uh, the, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving came to the to the Brooklyn Nets, basically Durant telling him you need to sign uh, DeAndre Jordan as part of this, and he really hasn't held up his end of the bargain. I mean, Jared Allen um, in his final few games is really coming into his own. So 
where I'm leading with this is I think that the Nets and potentially a Cleveland Cavalier team that now has Jared Allen, you have JaVale McGee and Andre Drummond. I think he is a name to watch that could be linked with the Nets. I mean, he's, I'm not even sure why Detroit let him go, but I think he could be an immensely impactful guy on that front line, a rebounder intimidator around the rim that they have of course lost in Jared Allen. Um, but the one thing I'll say with the Nets, I mean, the M.O. on the Nets, even going back to not last year's playoffs against Toronto, the year before against the Philadelphia 76ers, is teams were just out physical, the Nets. They don't have those big, dominant, imposing, uh, even the even the Golden State Warriors, you know, the perimeter-oriented Golden State Warriors, they always had JaVale McGee, uh, Kevin Looney, you had Zaza Pachulia, you had Andrew Bogut. The Nets don't have an enforcer type like that. So uh, beyond trying to sign another veteran, uh, six former six man of the year, like Jamal Crawford, I ha- they'd have to prioritize solidifying that front line because to me, they just don't have that toughness, the size rebounding or interior defense to, to compete with the elite teams at this point. Especially when you consider that Philadelphia is, I mean, surely they're going to be in the second and third round of the playoffs. And then you're going to have to contend with Joel Embiid. And then Boston has shorn up their front line. You're going to have to deal with Boston. Certainly if not in the Eastern Conference Finals than before. Uh, and those are two teams that have the tools to combat what your strengths are. Uh, and you're going to have to be able to combat theirs as well. Um, I think, Randy, you made a point that ran through my head as well, which is that um, Kevin Durant left to build his own legacy, right? That's why that was the stated reason for leaving Golden State. But he's not building his own legacy. You got to have Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Why don't you just play with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green? I don't. I don't know that that building your own legacy thing seems to be kind of out the window. Um, but I do think it's fair to say, unlike the KG Paul Pierce Jason Terry uh, move that Billy King made, these guys are all ostensibly in their primes, and that that is a key difference. Well, yeah, and I want to throw something else out here too. As I got, I, we got a note here uh, through Facebook from Jay Diaz. Uh, they might have bought in Harden to help uh, move Kyrie since he's on, not on the same page with the organization. I don't think Harden's pushing for this move unless they have Kyrie there. I think I think it's Kyrie, Harden, and Durant as a package. That's how this whole thing is being sold to everybody. You're not getting rid of Kyrie Irving because who else? Who's going to take him? That's that's the other part of it too. The opening salvo was the Rockets. The Nets wanted the Rockets to take Kyrie. That was the opening part of the discussion that just didn't go anywhere with Houston. Houston was like, <laughs> no way. Yeah. I mean, and again, Kyrie, it doesn't even seem clear to me that Kyrie Irving has set his priorities, whether it's basketball or whether it's issues outside the basketball court that he, you know, and all the power to him. It's a, it's a higher calling, of course, than just being a basketball player. But in fairness to his team, there's a lot of people that are just really upset with what's going on in our world, but you know they're they're reporting to their jobs. They're doing what they can to support their families. And Kyrie Irving, again, having what thirty-four and a half million dollars now that he's uh, going to be paid out this year, and potentially could be fined now for violating the co- protocol. Even if he said, "I'm coming back immediately," I'm excited about James Harden. Uh, the league is still investigating that, so that that's still very much in the up in the air. And again, you know, I. Unlike Bill, I, I don't watch every single game that James Harden has played, but my, my major takeaways just from watching him over the years, and especially with this this last era in Houston, 
was those teams, you know, the 73 win team that they took to game seven with Chris Paul, of course, Chris Paul going down. Uh, and I very much felt I didn't have a dog in the fight, but I felt if Chris Paul played in that series that they had the Golden State Warriors on the ropes. And I'm not going to say they would have beat them, but I, 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 if I had to put money to the to the table, I would have said yes, that Houston would have made it through and knocked them off. And then even the following year, of course, you had Kevin Durant on that super team and they go to game six, Kevin Durant is injured and you think it's at least gonna be a repeat of a seven game, epic seven game series and Golden State kind of shocks everybody and wins and closes out the series without Kevin Durant. Um, for both those years, I mean, I know James Harden was the guy and he was the highest usage rate in the NBA and D'Antoni basically gave him all creative uh, say over the offense. But I really didn't feel from top to bottom when you compare both rosters, even pre-KD and with KD, felt like Golden State had the better overall team. So when this narrative about James Harden not getting it done in the playoffs and not being able to get to a finals as the guy – um, I don't think it's entirely fair because I felt as though um, I, I just felt as though those Golden State teams were very deserving of making it through and ultimately winning those championships. And the, the one last thing I'll say, too, is, I mean, you look at James Harden. He, he came in out of shape and overweight. There's no question about that. Um, the guy's still averaging almost two and a half, ten and a half assists per game. Um, so when you talk about playmaking ability, I would have more concern um, with Kyrie, who's, you know, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, oddly, are averaging almost the same amount of assists this year, six and a half assists. Um, I would have more concern about Kyrie over dribbling and not sharing the basketball, almost more so than James Harden in this system, because I think Harden, that was that was his role in D'Antoni's system, was to uh, spread the floor and, and make plays. And I think that, you know, being, having D'Antoni on the staff, Steve Matt Nash, who, again, I think, is he in it a little over his head as a coach? I mean, he's a neophyte coach, so he's trying to He's tinkering with the lineups. The Nets have used the second most starting lineups in the whole NBA. I think he's still trying to, you know, uh, test the waters as far as the coaching is concerned. But I, I really do feel like James Harden can evolve and become that self, more selfless player that he was prior to his arrival in Houston. And he's going to have to be for them to be successful. And, and one thing I also want to add to that, too, um, first from, a, again, I know I'm trying not to be the comic relief the whole entire thing, but to go back to Bill's point, uh, can you imagine that first conversation that he, uh, with the Nets had when they tried to offer Kyrie Irving, where the general manager of the Houston Rocks goes, um, yeah, Sean, I got Philly on your line. I'll get right back to you. <laughs> you know, you, you know, I, you have to look. And, and Jay's texting us, too, about cap space and, you know, it's not going to work. Look. It's up to Steve Nash now on how to how to balance this to make it work and get these guys to buy into the system. Whatever the system is going to be, they have to buy into it, and that's going to be the key. But if you look at the big picture of the NBA and you look at the Nets now, and we can say the same thing about what happened when, Durant, when uh, Garnett and Pierce got there. Before Brooke Lopez went down that year, that team was talked about competing with the Miami Heat for the Eastern crown. Whereas now you look at this team, or is this team better than Milwaukee? Is this team better than Boston? Is this team better than Philly? You start to have to ask yourself those questions. Is this Nets team better with James Harden, assuming that all the stars line up correct, everybody's healthy, Kyrie discovers that the earth is round and he's back in the starting lineup. Are we now, are we looking at this and saying, are the Nets better than those three teams? And sorry, you have to throw the Miami Heat in there too. So are they better than those four teams? And, and Bill, I'll start with you. Are, are the Nets with Harden and Irving and Durant all on the same page? Everybody working. Are those is that team better than those other four teams? I don't think they are as they currently appear on paper. But 
as we've been talking about, do they add, do they pull off something for Andre Drummond? Does, does Jamal Crawford come in and, and provide a spark? Did, how does this team look two to three weeks from now? Um, and I think the big question is they need to get it together pretty soon because the East is not like it has been. This is not the Eastern Conference where you can play 500 ball and expect to have a top four seed. Um, you've got to get it together pretty quickly. And um, the more pieces you add, this is not 2K. You know, I think I think fans have the tendency to confuse the real NBA with 2K, where, hey, I can bring in all these all-star players and put them all on one team, and they'll just go 82-0. and 0. And that really is not <laughs> – there's a human factor involved that that doesn't take into account. So how quickly can James Harden get in shape? How quickly does Kyrie come back into the fold? How quickly do they bring in the pieces to fill all these spots, all these pieces that have gone out? How quickly does that roster come together? And how quickly do they find that chemistry? Those are the questions to ask. Are they better than Miami? Uh, Miami hasn't played particularly well this year. Um, are they better than uh, Milwaukee? No, they're better than bubble Milwaukee. They're not better than regular season Milwaukee from last year. Um, are they better than Boston and Philly? Not as currently constructed. I don't see them getting past, especially especially if Kemba Walker is back for the playoffs. Boston is going to be ungodly tough to beat. Um, but there's just a you know there's a lot of question marks, a lot of, a lot of ifs. <laughs> And I, I know a lot of net fans are fearing the absolute worst is that all three of these players technically have, they could opt out after the season. Kyrie decides basketball is not my priority. I'm going to go, you know, into the social justice field. I'm going to go into public service, whatever he ends up doing. And Cardin says, well, this isn't what I signed up for. I'm going to go sign a mega deal elsewhere, go back to the Western conference. And, and there's Kevin Durant by himself saying, well, what's my point? So, I don't see that happening. I think a lot of net fans, that's the ultimate fear. You've just basically sold the farm. It's a logical fear. I'll tell you right now. And the cupboard, they, could, they could turn back to the cupboard and say it's totally empty. I mean, it's it's a possibility. Do I think it's as possible as a lot of fans are making it out to be? I think there's a very slim likelihood that even, even if Kyrie does go off the deep end, I still think when you have a nucleus of James Harden, and Kevin Durant, I mean, that's enough to attract, uh, uh, you know, viable free agents, especially when you look at the landscape of the East. I mean, to look at what Milwaukee gave up for Holiday. I mean, they gave up a, what, a pair of first-round draft picks. Eric Bledsoe, I mean, is Holiday a major upgrade over Bledsoe? Probably. I mean, if you had a grade, maybe Bledsoe is a, a B to B minus and Holiday is a B plus A minus. But you look at the haul that they had to give up just for Holiday, and was he – was he the missing piece, I think, for Milwaukee to say that they're a shoe in to win the Eastern Conference? No, Absolutely definitely not. not. So I just think when you talk about a, a player of the caliber of Harden, you know, a three-time reigning scoring champion, uh, you know, six-time All-Star, I believe, uh, won the MVP two years ago. This is just the going rate for that caliber of player. And again, it just goes back to the fit. I, I'm as concerned about the the complementary pieces that go around them as I am the chemistry between the three of them, assuming they're on the court together. But I, I just don't want to make it about all this year because, again, Harden, I believe, is under contract four more years and Kyrie and Kevin a few more years. So they still have a three-year championship window. So not all hope is lost that they get bounced in the Eastern Conference Finals by Philly or Boston. Uh, this can't be – you have to look back at the trade three years down the road and see what happens years four, five, six, and seven 
if they did win a championship, if they didn't win a championship, and then what lottery picks potentially, if they're in that situation, are going out the door to Houston. That's going to be the ultimate culmination of uh, you know how this trade is going to be looked upon in NBA history. And re- meanwhile, we had to talk about 5,000 Brooklyn Nets fans who were online at that cliff when they saw the amount of draft picks that they were giving up <laughs> between the swaps and everything else like that. They're sitting there going, man, like, like, and just, I, I, there's two crazy scenarios. The one, the one you just said is if all three guys opt out and if they all opted out and went to the Knicks, that'd be even funnier. But, <laughs> but um, like all, all, all joking aside, this is the biggest gamble of all in. Because right now, if if this for some reason, let's just say this blows up in, uh, let's say this blows up in their face, okay? Let's say this really takes a bad turn. There's no recovering from this for at least another ten years. Like if 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 they don't win a title with these three, they might as well pick this team up and just rename them the Seattle SuperSonics and move them out to Seattle, Washington. Because this this it's it's hard enough to get people to come to New York, whether it's the Knicks or the Nets, anyway. So you're telling me you're, at that point you're going to have to go via free agency. Nobody wants to come to New York because no one wants to deal with the pressure. Yeah. But look, people forget, though, too, what Los Angeles Lakers looked like before the arrival at, of LeBron James, right? I mean, Laker fans were so disenfranchised with the state of the team. Uh, Rob Palinka, I mean, couldn't do anything right. And you bring in a piece like LeBron James and, you know, like you said, Randy, I agree with you, Randy. I mean, if – if Kevin Durant maybe showed some of the same leadership qualities as LeBron, even though I, I still think he's pretty far from perfect as a leader, he's had some issues. But um, still, if he had that kind of outspoken nature, and I think, sorry, I think Bill had mentioned that, um, that you know, you put him in the same category as LeBron as far as leadership is concerned. But you saw how that franchise basically, even, uh, you know, LeBron that first year, right, it hurts his knee, missed the majority of the year, looks like the, the team is going nowhere fast, and how quickly – things turned around that the Anthony Davis trade just changed the whole complexion of the franchise. Now, again, those are different circumstances, different type players, but I still think that, you know, it's a player's league that these players obviously conspired. I don't know if that's the right word, but they did. They conspired to come together. And this now makes the Brooklyn Nets franchise one of those super teams, but also a desirable destination for future free agents. But again, um, you know, if they're going to leave the cupboard blank after one year, that that's absolutely going to be a disaster scenario for Sean Marks. But I don't think it's going to have the same impact like the Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Jason Terry trade did, because, um, again, different stages of their careers, even Kevin Durant in the w- weeks and months leading up to the to the trade. I mean, I think Paul Pierce had to even go to Kevin Garnett's house and was convincing him to to go to the Nets that he wanted to stay and retire in Boston. He was so loyal to the Celtics. Um, so he didn't even want to really be in Brooklyn in the first place. So, uh, again, I think people and specifically net fans have PTSD from the Billy King trade um, <laughs> and rightfully so. But I think just judge Sean Marks on his body of work as GM. He's done everything he can to establish a culture. I know people were not happy when he fired Kenny Atkinson as a developmental coach. I think he's as best as they come. I still think the jury was out whether he could have taken this team you know, beyond the first round, deep into the playoffs. But as I said, again, it's a player's league. They have the talent now. It's incumbent upon um, Steve Nash and his staff to put all the pieces together. The only thing I would add to that, great points, is that when LeBron lost to Dallas, 
he did some soul searching, went and did it with Akeem, as a matter of fact, Elijah one. And I talked to Akeem about that. And he became something because of that loss. We need, or the Nets need Kevin Durant to become that leader, that take that next step in terms of not his play, but who he is in the locker room. I think that's what needs to happen. And and, and my final thought on this, and guys, I'll, I'm going to say thank you, but listen, obviously time will tell. Well, I think what, if, if I were the Nets, I wouldn't let Harden on the team until, A, he passed all of his tests that he has to do and takes two weeks to drop the weight. And I think that's, you know, you might see that. You never know. But it's still, we still have a lot of season left. Obviously, we still have a long way to go. But uh, Rick Lachlan, thank you so much. Bill Ingram, as always, a little bonus episode of the Hardwood Huddle. Uh, our new Hardwood Huddle is up online right now. Mark Followill from the Dallas Mavericks joined us, and we had a, we had a great talk with him. And uh, check it out. Available where all your podcasts are, are available. That's the Hardwood Huddle. For Rick, Rick Lachlan, Bill Ingram, I'm Randy Zellia. You're out of the huddle. Thanks, guys. Thank you.